Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Okay, so today we're going to explore uh, how to keep morale um, high during a time of crisis, uh, which I guess is is what we find ourselves in today amidst the um, coronavirus outbreak. And joining me to discuss this, someone that understands morale, happiness, company culture, uh, potentially more than anyone, is uh, Samantha Clark, uh, founder of Samantha And. Um, hi, Sam. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Uh, so tell us a bit about uh, what you do and what your business does. Yes, so uh, my business works with companies on one hand, working with managers and leaders to really create the right environments that support, nurture and elevate their teams um, to help them be productive, to help them be engaged and feel mentally and emotionally supported in the workplace. And then I also work with individuals, coaching them to uh, bring their best selves to work, to really think about how they can lean into their job and love it. Or if um, they are seeking work happiness elsewhere, how do they leave it and move on to something new? So I'm all about making happiness at work a priority in sustainable and real measure measurable ways uh, versus it just being a kind of nice fluffy uh, thing to have. Nice. Okay, perfect. So, you know, I feel like this is going to be a, a great topic for us to discuss together. Before we get into thinking about team morale, which I know is something that, you know, a ton of us are thinking about quite deeply at the moment. Just talk me through how you feel uh, as things have, uh, you know, evolved over the last days and weeks. Um yeah, how are you coping with uh, the the place we find ourselves in today? Yeah, I think we're in um, interesting times where people are just trying to find their feet. Um, we've either got companies on different ends of the spectrum, some that are really set up and geared to moving and working remotely online, that are finding this a bit more of a seamless transition. Um, and so they're just working and leaning into building that rapport, finding the time to connect with each other. And then we have companies at the opposite end that are struggling to get the tech right and uh, there is that break in communication and that's one of the, the kind of core pillars around happiness that I speak in where they are struggling to, to get some semblance of normal or get people working in, a, in the right way and still testing out how to use Zoom. So they're caught up in that kind of frank sh- uh, kind of frantic anxiety, uh, which again adds to the existing anxiety that we currently have. And I think... Um, you know, finding that sweet spot, which I think we'll find over the course of this week and the next week when things start to settle down and the technology's in place and people have the systematic check-ins and the protocols, um, we'll start to see people accepting um, this as a bit of a norm for a while. And I think we're in a bit of a, a marathon and not a sprint. Um mm. So yeah, I think that at the moment it's it's chaotic on one end or it's been seamless, but there is a worry of, okay, how do we keep the communication going and how do we start to, I know trust is a big thing as well, like how do we actually get um, into a place where we can actually trust and empower our employees to deliver on what they say they will, uh, especially when we can't see them now. 
Okay, so that's really interesting because, you know, what we're talking about today is morale. And, you know, what, what, what we mean by that is, you know, we're talking about someone's engagement in the work that they do, their happiness in the work that they do. And, and trust is actually a big factor in that because if someone doesn't feel trusted, they're very unlikely to feel engaged and positive about um, you know the work they're doing. What are the, what's the advice that you're giving in terms of how to create that level of trust, that level of psychological safety remotely rather than when you're sitting opposite someone? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, it definitely has to come from the top in terms of what are going to be our values um, that we're going to lead through this crisis. So when you're in a culture in an office, um, you have basic underlying assumptions, all right? This is how we operate. These are our, our core ways of being. This is what we can see from each other. And the next level up is the kind of enacted in spoused values. So this is um, our strategies, our objectives, this is our philosophies, these are our visions. And then there are some practices that we have to start putting in place. The problem is when you start working um, in a place where you can't visibly see each other, um, some of the underlying assumptions or habits or thoughts need to be rewritten. And I don't think companies are taking the time to really understand, okay, what are some of the basic um, assumptions or underlying assumptions that we need to make a lot more clearer. Um, so, you know, why do we exist? How will we intend to lead through this crisis? What is our guiding light or what's going to be our true north that's going to hold us together as a company? And taking that time to kind of reset um, and, uh, and know that this culture is going to be um, evolving, but like these are the values that we stick by. And that gives mm. um, employees the real confidence to know, okay, my, my employer cares um, and we are, uh, the, the tone that they've set is this. And these are the sets of behaviours that we can start to expect from them and from us. So uh, we know how to move forward. So I think the minute that we don't take the time to do um, a check-in with these kind of um, underlying assumptions and these kind of enacted values this is when things are going to go awry and this can this is everything down to how will we start for some people how will we start using slack in a different way or, or what does it mean when i email you this and your response means x you know when we start to confuse communication which we would easily be able to overcome if you see somebody in an office and you can see nonverbal verbal cues all of that stuff suddenly it's online and you're misinterpreting things. Um, what does a turnaround time on this project now mean? Uh, if you're late, does it, is there a lack of trust there? So I think doing that time to lay some basic foundations around this is how we intend to lead and move forward through this crisis is great to kind of set the direction for success. Okay, and so you know, let's just pick let's just pick up on that. Yeah. What if you were advising a CEO? or a founder or, you know, any leader in a business, how would they, how would they reset with everyone in terms of, okay, this is how we're going to move through this process. Is it, um, is it, you know, something, an email, is it, is it, you know, a, a teleconference where they're kind of verbally walking through, you know, this is how we're going to change our behavior. You know, what's the best way to kind of impart that, that knowledge and that thought? I think if you can do something um, with all of you online, great, because then you can see people, they can see you, and it feels um, like a, 
a connected experience. If it's an email, then it's definitely like, okay, so I, I, I get you, I hear you that we're going through this. This is what we have put in place to look after you guys, to protect you. Um, this is obviously what we'll be trialing out. There may be some issues for the first couple of weeks. Appreciate that you can bear with us. I would love it if you could let me know what you need or let your line manager know um, and be responsive so that we can kind of make this an evolving and um, iterative journey together. I think if there's anyone, that there needs to be some framework around what if a family member or somebody is sick, um, how will we mm. intend to deal with that? Um, we are obviously aware that some of you are parents. So this is how things might be affected. Let your line manager or somebody know what your shift patterns might be in terms of work and that we will you know, work towards things being asynchronous. So like if, if there's a goal that needs to be achieved, you, you know that your deadline is Friday, this is what we expect from you. Um, and mm. kind of set the tone and know, let people know that there is open lines of communication. So I've seen some companies being like, actually, we can give you a stipend of this um, to kind of help you get up, get set up immediately. If that's not a possibility, then it's like, this is be best practice for what setting up your home office looks like. So you're looking after this person, not only from a work perspective, but you're also making sure that they physically feel great in their office and that they um, have what they need and let people, you know, we're here to assist you with this transition. Some people maybe don't have the right equipment for home or, and all of that. And just say that actually we might, moving forwards, have some more regular company check-ins. Like, you know, I know that you'll probably have them with your teams, but it might be wise for us to keep checking in with each other and making sure. Just having that base of this is this is what I'm seeing, I, I, I hear and I feel you, this is what we're gonna do moving forwards is enough to reassure people that you are at, you're leading the helm <laughs> because yeah. everything else seems, to ca seems chaotic. They probably are looking to you to be the visionary leader, the storyteller, the, the one who can galvanize and, and move people forwards versus just being the technician or the kind of, um, you know, delegator at this point. So that's interesting. So, you know, kind of the, 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 the first thing that we think about in terms of trying to keep morale high across the organization is making sure there's a high level of trust. And you kind of outlined a few things there in terms of how people can think about ensuring that that exists. What are the other kind of core behaviors that you think people need to be thinking about? So I think as a manager as well, it's it's now thinking, how will I check in differently with each of the individuals on my team? You know, a lot of the areas that employees are going to be worrying about right now are thinking, okay, yes, so my work's slightly disruptive. I might also be working in a house full of, you know, my kids who are normally at nursery. Maybe I'm also navigating working and sitting opposite my partner if we don't have a separate opposite um, workspace. Um, how is your manager kind of checking in with all of the individual. So it's not just, um, have you got enough to get the work done? But like, you know, are you feeling good in your space? Holistically, how does this person feel mentally? How are they feeling? Um, and I know some companies are obviously putting practices in place to change their morning huddle. What does that look like? Is it um, checking in in terms of fitness levels? Is it checking in in terms of mental and emotional well-being? Is it just having 
um, around Robin of like, what's the best thing that happened for you yesterday? What are your hopes and intentions for today? Letting them know that actually I'm here for you to, to be able to support you on this journey. Um, and those continuous nuanced check-ins um, are really powerful to just know that actually this isn't easy. And um, whilst it might feel you easy for you, it's probably going to be very different for somebody who a might be living in a studio and all of a sudden they've got n their space is tiny and they're working um, in every area of their flat and they can't seem to switch off. Or you've the opposite end of the spectrum is you know um, a dad or a mum with four kids at home um, and no care. So like, how do you navigate all of those scenarios? And your employees might be in any of those different situations. So it's just being aware of that. Yeah. So we've talked a bit about understanding the full context of the person. Yes. 100%. So what are the other things in their life that are going to be affected by this? Uh, you know, are they someone that likes to go to the gym and they're not going to be able to? Are they like? Are they someone that likes to go and? see particular people on the weekends do they go to church and and in fact they can't go to church anymore you know what are the what are the areas of their life that are going, that are going to be that are going to be affected yes and, and I guess then understanding the effect that that's going to have on them mm. and and I think it's important I look at it across um like four different facets when we think about the individual so yes you've got the work but also the relationships that they have in their lives so what is that individual support system you might not be able to kind of um you know help them fully there but just an understanding of do they have a partner or somebody else to connect with are they somebody who you know you might have someone on your team who has a compromised immune system how are you able to get food um think about the relationship that they have with themselves, making sure that people are taking the time to disconnect from work. It can be even harder when you are working from home to just always be on because there's nothing else to do, especially if you can't go out at the moment. You're just going to be always online and that's not great in terms of affecting your sleep, in terms of affecting, um, you know, when are you checking in and eating um, and just also what does your home environment look like? Is it supportive and set up for you to work and also to switch off? Um, because, you know, we can also see an increase in burnout in these situations as well where people are just always on. Mm. So let's use that to segue. And, and, and we've looked at trust. We've looked at understanding the individual and kind of seeing them as a whole. And, and I think the third area that you were alluding to there was was rest, was decompression, was uh, being able to step away, which is much harder in the context that we're now in, right? Yes. Uh, you know, I sleep three meters away from where I'm working and recording this podcast right now. So it's harder for me to relax in the evening because my work setup is so close to, to, to where I'm sleeping. So, you know, what what's the advice? What are the ideas? What are the things that you're seeing in terms of trying to help uh, companies prioritize their team resting uh, even when it, it's harder to? Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, I think we've got to really um, zone your space and think about the same way that you get up to go to work and come home from work. You need to see that in your flat too or in your studio or in your home. It might be different, obviously, if you have multiple rooms but like if you're living in a small space, you've got to 
set yourself up for your work day. So, you know, get up and really think about the same way that you might be commuting. What could I use that time for as a separation space before I get into working? So might it be um, making sure that I fully eat breakfast, prepare myself something good, meditate if that is a thing for you, but even just being still whilst you eat. Um, sorry, really thinking about um, how you can, um, you know, create that line of setting yourself up for your work day, you know, showering, getting dressed and um, being ready to step into your office, to step into work. So approaching your desk and, you know, once you're there, really map out. I think also what's interesting, I'm seeing some companies are allowing individuals to work to their biorhythm. So if naturally someone's always been a better morning worker, but obviously with the commute and whatever, starting at nine, it is what it is. Now they're realizing that somebody is happy to work from 5 a.m., 6 a.m., maybe take a break um, at 11, have lunch for a longer extended period of time and then work later, or maybe they're working around their kids. So really, but again, it's still the same setting up for work. And then giving yourself some clear lines, some clear delineated lines around, actually, I'm going to take lunch and I am going to finish working at a particular time and thinking about the act of finishing work. So what would you do when you leave the office? You're turning off your computer, you are um, creating that opportunity to shut your laptop and to move away. Maybe even plan out some activities for um, after work the same way that you would be meeting friends, you would be going home to meet your girlfriend, your partner, um, you might be going out for dinner, like set yourself up with some routines. So actually after work, I'm, you know, I'm going to go in and have a video call with a friend or actually I'm going to go in and read or maybe I was going to go and meet my partner for dinner so we're going to cook something nice together. Segment your day out and have routines and, and things to look forward to. Because if you don't, yeah. it all then kind of uh, merges into one and you yourself will start to feel really run down and begrudging the time that you're on the laptop. And what mm. you don't want is when you should be working to be like, I'm exhausted because I've just been on this thing all day, all night. And especially if your laptop services as TV and um, what you watch movies on or whatever, if you don't have a separate TV, it can be really emotionally draining. So especially uh, coaching an individual who lives in a studio, I was like, zone out your space. Okay, so in one area, that is work. So when you step into that area, that's uh, that's all around work and when you step into your lounge bit you're switching off your laptop does not move from one zone to another maybe you're zoning it out with music um different emotional or, sorry different essential oils or things like that so you're you're moving into a different zone of relaxation yeah i really like that i really like that makes it makes a ton of sense right and um you know there's ways to do these things even if you're space restricted yeah i think so and i think it's getting this will be a test of our resilience and habits as well. So, you know, listening to, um, I love James Clear, kind of atomic habits, thinking about how will I set up a better practice for myself? If we know that we're in this for two, three, a month, six weeks, whatever, how will I set up better habits for myself that make me feel good, that make me feel energized and ready for work? Because the longer this goes on for you have to realize that if you've set up bad habits now, they'll only get worse and compounded. You're going to feel exhausted by the time you get back into the office. So use your time effectively. 
zone your spaces, know when to switch off, maybe get yourself an accountability partner, either a buddy within the company or somebody out who can check in on you. Have you had a break? Or, you know, that that's the person that you meet at the end of the working day just to digest what's happened and draw a line under it. Yeah, that's great. So there's kind of the, there are those three three components there. So trust, um, you know, checking in and appreciating the entire individual rest for the team and making sure that they're doing that. Is there any other, are there any other themes that you're seeing in terms of things that we need to be considering so that we can maintain uh, morale and energy as much as possible? Um, I think also considering the work and like the tasks that people have to do, um, what could you do to navigate the week? Is there any way of front-loading a lot of intense projects towards the beginning of the week and then kind of tailoring it out towards the end when people are kind of looking to wind down? Being aware of those that have kids or perhaps also worrying about aged parents, where might they be? Uh, where might there be some need for flexibility around that, um, especially if somebody is sick? Um, and helping people to look at how to plot out their working day better. So it's easier when you're in an office to be led by your comrades and you're working towards a project. Suddenly at home, you have to do a lot of self-motivation. Um, and it might be that using the Pomodoro technique is a great way to get people focused. 20 minutes of work, then a quick break. 20 minutes of work, quick break. And, you know, thinking about how people are staying motivated um, when they can't see anybody or when it's not time to have a quick video chat with someone, because that's also quite disruptive too. So engaging people with better habits around how they keep themselves motivated and productive and also when there is time for group chat, checking in um, and so that they don't feel isolated either. Okay, nice. And... and um you know, those are the things that we should be doing, right? So, you know, I guess you kind of began it by talking about policies and process and making sure that you're just generally set up for this new way of working. But then if you've established trust, you've um, considered <clears throat> all the individuals on your team, you're making sure that people are resting and you're kind of thinking about what work is appropriate for now and what work isn't and kind of how you balance that across the week. Are there any things that we... I guess, uh, as you know, leaders in business who are responsible for people, and I'm thinking particularly responsible for their mental health and physical health at the moment. Are there any things that we should be avoiding? Are there any things that are really not going to work well, are really not going to chime well within this kind of current climate, current crisis? I think um, just being very dictatorial, dictatorial about how things need to be delivered and set and Yes, I think it's more a case of, okay, these are the goals that we need to work towards. How you achieve them is up to you, but this is the end point we need to get to versus this needs to look like this on this day at this time. I think there needs to be some flexibility in how we move towards a goal as long as everybody is engaged and um, connected with that goal. I think there needs to be less rigidity around how you perform, what the working day looks like, this, that and the other. Um, I think taking a, a real time to connect with people, not only as a group, but also individually, whether or not that's a brief happiness chat or, you know, um, just taking that time to, to, to message somebody quickly um, and less of the, you know, uh, KPIs and work chat and more a case of like, so how's today going for you? 
is there anything I can do to help you as a manager today? Mm. Um, and, mm. you know, getting to the heart of the person. Like in this time as well, your people are everything in your business. And we're all going through our own, um, you know, trying to come to terms with what's happening. Some people might be worried about, um, you know, probably not in your business because it, it, it feels stable and whatever. But other people are desperately worried about, am I going to lose my job? Or, mm. you know, and as a manager, a leader, you've got to really reassure people or be upfront. Actually, we are in tricky times right now and um, we are going to have to think about processes moving forwards. It might mean that some of you will lose your jobs. We're going to do this in the most effective um, and caring and compassionate way that we can. But this is a reality. So but, and as a, as a leader, I think it's time for you to really step into and appreciate what your blind spots are. So like, am I a leader who perhaps has always treated commitments a bit casually, has been a bit of a yes or or I know it all kind of leader or has been um, a little bit of a perfectionist or just dealing with good enough or not telling the whole story? Because now is not the time to kind of be dancing or skirting around issues. I think there has to be a lot of clarity and a lot of like, this is this is what's going on for us. Um, and be clear and pragmatic about your steps, but also not being too dictatorial about how things need to show up in terms of work, especially if stuff can be, if there are milestones and goals that people know that they're working mm. towards, continue to do that in the best way that works for you. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. And um, we, I was discussing how to choose the right leadership style for this moment with um, Perry, who's the CEO and one of the co-founders from Mastered. And um, we were talking about clear and calm leadership. And um, yeah, it's it's not that you have to be delivering good news the whole time, but it's that whatever we're saying is really, really clear. And everyone can look to, you know, whatever leader you are and whatever level you're leading at they can look to you and they they're getting the right information at the right time yes. there's no ambiguity yes. um we're removing all opportunity for anxiety from those situations yes i, I think anywhere there's a gap or um any uh, any place where people can start again it's those underlying assumptions right any space for that to creep in when someone's working at home on their own and they don't know what's going on with their company or their leader hasn't stepped up and said, you know, actually shit's difficult right now, that's going to be, they're going to be um, thinking about that all day and not really focusing on the task at hand. So as a leader, you've got to think, there's a great book, I can't remember if it's called um, Ships Ahead or uh, this guy who talks about peacetime leadership versus wartime leadership. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what it's called offhand, but um, like now is a time for us to think about how we lead in crisis and you need to ally people's fears, set them up um, with the reality of what is, but also um, be compassionate, be considerate and be kind and um, openly communicative. Yeah, it's funny. So, you know, the title of this was how do we think about keeping morale high in a time of crisis in difficult times and people listening to this might have thought that we were going to be talking about you know fun things that you can do on your video calls or wearing hats when you're doing a full company huddle or doing virtual drinks you know but actually in kind of listening to everything that you've been talking about and kind of reflecting on it there are 
much bigger underlying behavioral behavioral you know values led changes and elements that have a far greater effect on morale than any of those kind of peripheral silly fun uh, which are really nice and can be really useful but actually it's the big stuff that works in these moments yeah i think that's one thing that i try to drill down to company when when we think about happiness it's all you know that kind of euphoric like we we must be all smiling and happy and dancing and that is like the worst way to think about happiness or well-being in the workplace and it's not the big grand gestures it's these small momentary tasks and uh, behavioral changes that actually make a difference to somebody's day how they're feeling about working in your company coming to work for you every day and right now the things that employees are you know worried about is do I feel safe here do I um is this place uh somewhere that I feel connected is there a vision that we're all working towards can I see light at the end of the tunnel through with this company or are they going to bail on me when when things get difficult um and uh, you know, happiness is not a fungineering kind of experience. There's so many layers to what make us feel fulfilled, contented, um, supported, nurtured, uh, so that we can be our best. And I think we need to look at it with that lens versus it just being, don't get me wrong, you know, starting your video calls with jokes and people feeling energized, because we do need the fun stuff. But I think to lead a company through these transitions. We don't even know where this will take us in terms of economics, in terms of um, just general health. You know, there might be some people on your team who start out great and some people might get sick. How will you deal with that as a company? Uh, these mm. are the tough yeah. questions you've got to ask yourself. And that is what I, I hope to do or help to do <laughs> with leaders and managers because that's the real shit. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. Okay, so... Um, Let's wind this up, but to wind it up, let's give, uh, I want to give everyone at home some real tangible stuff that they can take away and, and you know, do within their organizations today, tomorrow, this week. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what are the kind of three bits of advice that you would give to a leader um, if you were kind of sitting across from them now? What are the three things that they should go and think about or do today? So firstly, I would uh, make sure that they are uh, identifying ways to communicate effectively about uh, the vision of or, or the values that everyone needs to align with. What are some of the assumptions that we need to let go of and how will we start communicating with each other moving forwards? What will that look like? What is um, a set process of check-ins that we're going to uphold for each other? And how can you make someone feel confident enough and empowered enough to reach out with you when they're struggling? Because that's going to be the hard thing. A lot of people don't often like asking for help. Um, mm. You know, it's hard enough in the office, but when you're away virtually, it's even harder because you just think, can I actually connect with my leader? Is he online? Can't see him? Not sure. So really map out how you will engage, check in and empower your teams. Um, sorry about that. Um, and how will you um, next, how will you start to think about what uh, your behavior will be to empower your teams to feel stronger? So one thing I like is uh, from a manager's perspective, getting your teams to think about what their SSRIs are, what their strengths, um, strategies, resources and insights will be to help uh, manage or navigate their well-being. So getting people to draw up a list of the strengths that they can call on 
um, in times of uh, difficulty. Maybe that's their courage, maybe it's their communication skills, their determination. What strategies can people use to um, create uh, self-soothing tactics, ways to build up their self-care, um, different approaches to problem solve or write or meditate? Um, what resources do people have? So checking in and making sure people have friends, support systems, um, establishing those kinds of groups and some insights. It might be some company phrases or perspectives or sayings that people can anchor themselves in in these times of um, kind of uncertainty and uh, thinking about mapping out your happiness check-ins. Um, what are you going to do to uh, check in with people? Um, whether or not it's using technology to do pulse checks, temperature checks, is it going to be um, happiness chats individually with people, um, your kind of weekly um, kind of uh, huddles or company check-ins, like really having a framed and mapped out schedule of uh, checking in with people um, from their emotional, mental um, perspective as well. Nice. Super wise, as ever. And um, there's some really, really good stuff there that I think um, I know that we'll be taking forward some of that and, you know, rolling that out uh, within our business. So if you're listening along at home thinking, you know, that was wise, um, rewind the podcast and then put it on half speed and then listen to the whole thing again and write notes and then just take that forward and go do something with it. And um, Sam, thanks so much for joining us today remotely. I really appreciate it. I know things are, are really busy for you at the moment, so I appreciate you um, you spending the time talking to us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and it was uh, great to kind of share value, and I hope people uh, put things in place and can have a smooth transition throughout this uncertainty. Cool, amazing. Um, some other thank yous to make I've got to thank uh, Mel our producer behind the glass well she's digitally virtually behind the glass I probably need to thank my wife for letting me commandeer our bedroom and turn it into a makeshift podcast recording studio to all of you listening along at home wherever you are uh, I hope you're indoors I hope you're staying safe I hope you're washing your hands um, remember that if you've got an issue that you'd like us to discuss you know now more than ever please do let us know I'm at Gately on Twitter and we're at Join Charlie. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. Mm-hmm.